Morning Community of Faith. Welcome to you here in the room. If you'd stand with us, if you're joining us online, we're glad that you're here with us this morning. Hey, we're excited to worship together, to point our eyes to Jesus. And so we just remind ourselves that there's nothing better than Him. He is our foundation and our hope. That's what we begin this morning. Sing this with us. I search the world.
true as that song is, because it is true, we are convinced of it. I know for me, there are many moments in life where I don't believe that before other things. Like I look to the world, I look to other things to satisfy. And I don't say hey, there's nothing better than Jesus. He is the one who has gone before me, who has provided a way for me. And so what I love about worship and what I love about songs and moments like this is that they just provide a language and a framework for us to, to begin to align our mind and our heart with that truth, right? Even though we may walk through the week and we don't always connect with it perfectly, these songs, they give us a way to just say, hey, we see the perspective we should have, that Jesus is before all things, that he holds all things together. And so we begin to just sing and to remind ourselves of that so that we get into alignment. And these next two songs we're gonna sing, they just help us to do that. They speak about who Jesus is, the life that he lived, and that he is still reigning, he is still in control. And so I hope for us as we sing together, that they'd be a reminder of where our perspective should be, and they'd give us a way to respond to him and to sing to him. Let's do that together now. Sing this with us.
faith. It is good to see all of you on this Sunday morning. My name is Ian. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I would love to meet you in the service after the lobby. On behalf of our whole team, we are so grateful that you've chosen to hang with us this Sunday morning. If you are a guest, you've picked an especially great day to be with us. And if you are new or newer to COF, we would love to know that you're here so we can connect with you and let you know more about who we are here at the church. And so if you wouldn't mind texting the word best you to 97,000. And when you do that, it'll give us a chance uh, to get to know you and your family a bit, the things that you might be interested here uh, in here at the church. So we can follow up with you this week and let you know more about who we are and all the things that we have going on to serve you and your family. If you call COF home, that's a great way to share prayer requests. Our staff prays every day over those and we would love to pray over the things that are going on in your life. Uh, I would love to mention this in just two weeks. We have our parent-child dedication. And so if you have a new little one in your home, uh, this is an opportunity for you as a family uh, to declare to uh, your church and to God that you commit to raising your kids in a home that points them to Jesus, that you're gonna love them in the way that Jesus has loved you first, that you're gonna point them to hope and freedom in him. And so it's an opportunity for you to do that as a church. And then for the rest of us, we get to commit to supporting those families on that day. And so if that's something that you might be interested in, be sure to check out our website. It's coming up in just two weeks. Be sure to invite your family and friends to be a part of that day. It's gonna be a really sweet time together as a church family. And then in just a little under a month, we have another great opportunity to go out and serve our community with our For Our City event. On that Saturday morning, we're gonna go out and we're gonna serve a lot of different of our uh, local partners, including some local schools, as they get ready for the new school year. There's no better way to love on our teachers and principals and administrative staff than to go out and to serve them. And so there's some great opportunities coming up. Be sure to keep your eyes on the website as more information and signups come available this week. So today in our message, uh, we're really excited uh, for what's gonna be shared, but um, it, it reminds me a lot of, of what we're gonna do in this time in communion. Uh, there's so many things that can happen in life. The seasons that we go through, I know for a lot of our team, our, our staff, it's been a heavier season of some ups and downs and grief. Um, and I, I think back to the night before Jesus died and he's hanging out with his friends over the course of a meal and he challenges them to, when they get together, to slow down and remember him. Uh, the life that he lived, uh, the death that he died and the fact that he beat death on our behalf. And for those of us that might be in a hard season, uh, those words in this this moment of communion is an especially sweet thing for us to make a priority to do because it reminds us that when all hope was lost for all of humanity that Jesus made a way for us, that when we couldn't fix the situation ourselves, that he came and he was the solution on our behalf. And so because of him, we have a chance to have hope and freedom. We have a chance to have a relationship with him. We have a chance to have purpose in our life. And so today, as we unpack some of that in our message, it is so important for us to remember that the only hope and freedom that we have is not just in time or in healing, it's through, it's through the person of Jesus. And so in this time, we're gonna take communion together. And so regardless of what season you're in, whether it is hard season or it's busy, maybe it's a season that things are going really, really well, that we have to stop and remember that the only hope 
that we have, the only reason we have to sing, the only reason your heart is still beating and your lungs are still breathing is because he has sustained us. And so this is an opportunity to reflect on him, the life he lived, the fact that he died a death after a perfect life on our behalf and then he beat death for us. And so when he was sharing a meal with his friends the night before he died, he took bread and he broke it. And he passed it amongst them and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Take and eat. And then he took the cup. So this represents my blood that will be poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Let me pray for us. God, we are so thankful for you. And we are so thankful that you sent your son to live and be death on our behalf, God, and for the spirits and dwelling that happens because of our decision to follow him. God, so regardless of whatever season we're in, whether we are loving life or we are questioning it, whether we believe fully in who you are and your plan or we wonder if you're even there today, God, I ask that you speak clearly to us. God, reminding us of your great love for us. God, in the moments that are hopeless, that remember that you you came when all hope was lost and that for you and the cross and the resurrection, God, that you made a way for us. So Jesus, thank you for loving us first. God, this is all because of you and it's all for you. Amen. We're gonna continue our time this morning through some more singing. We wanna invite you to stand with us as we do that.
I'm pretty new to COF, and one of the things that impressed me most about the people here is your generosity and how it affects life change here locally and on our campus and all around the world. And we got word from one of our mission partners this week in India uh, where they have been able to care for people in need there. And, and like all of us, uh, the, the past year with COVID has caused so much pain and so much suffering and so much need. And uh, as things have begun going back to normal, here's when things have really started getting pretty dire there. And some of the people that our partner serves, they've been able to care for them uh, specifically because all these people work for day wages. And as a lockdown has happened, they haven't been able to go out and make the money they need to, to meet ends. And so over 400 people have been fed because of your generosity. Uh, they've been able to care for uh, many Christian families there uh, who as tensions have been rising just because of the stress and everything that's been going on. There's been increased persecution uh, for them and their homes. And so uh, because of you, families are getting shelter, they're getting fed, they're being cared for, they're being uh, helped medically, and it's all because of your generosity here in Texas. And so we're so grateful for you and your generosity because it is truly changing lives here on our campus and around the world. And so uh, today, if you came prepared to give, uh, you can do so in the rooms as you leave. You can do it online or via texting. If you're watching online, you can also mail in uh, your giving. Again, all of what we do is made possible because of you. And so we're grateful that you trust us with that and that you've partnered with us and helping people find hope and freedom in Jesus all around the world. So thank you so much. Uh, today, we're continuing our series summer at COF. Really excited uh, for what we have today. Mark and Laura and Wes are all teaching this morning. It's gonna be a great time. Let's check this out. Good morning, fam. Hey, before we jump in, I just want to highlight something really quick, uh, especially those of you who have children that are preschool age or all the way going into fifth grade. Just in a couple weeks, the COF Kids Summer Extreme Space Camp is happening, and uh, August 3rd through the 6th, and I don't know if your kids are like mine. I assume they probably are. By day two of summer vacation, they were already complaining about boredom. And so by this point, they're driving you crazy, the neighborhood crazy, everybody's going crazy. Um, so this is an opportunity for you to find some relief from the boredom and the craziness with your children, but not just for you. I, I would encourage you to not only register your children today, you can do that at cof.church, but also think about the children that you may be connected with, friends of your kids that maybe need to be a part of this because their parents are in the same struggle you're in with boredom. And uh, just an opportunity to really have a great time with our kids staff. They've been preparing for weeks for this. It's gonna be an incredible week. And I just really want to encourage you to uh, take advantage of that. Dump them off at COF for a few hours, for a few days in August, and it'll be a great experience. They do have to pick them up. They do have to pick them up, yeah. Well, I mean, we can negotiate anything. <laughs> um, but it'll be a great time. Uh, listen, as we uh, 
dive in today. We, over the last several weeks, Mark and Laura and I have, have been talking through some of this, and you've probably picked up on some of this in the messages. There's just been kind of this theme of a lot of significant struggle, um, a lot of loss that we've experienced. We've been teaching kind of into that some over the last few weeks, and just a lot of heaviness going on that you have felt, that I know that each one of us have felt in different ways, and uh, the struggle is real. And we say that a lot, maybe kind of just passively not really understanding it, but that is true. And so today we wanna talk about that, how to pray when the struggle is real. And uh, to kinda help us get there, you know, I was thinking about this. We, We get prayer requests every single day here at Community Faith. I love that because it's one of the ways we get to stay connected and uh, it doesn't just feel like some sort of kind of corporate Well, what thing. I love too is that they're so real. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, we're really talking about real stuff that's going on. We're not just up here really super yeah. light. They're heavy. They're, and and I, I love that because you, Community of Faith, are willing to put it all out there and say, this is my struggle yeah. and this is real and this is heavy and we get to pray alongside you, pray with you, and then you pray for us. You guys have been praying for Mark and Laura in the last 18 months through the struggle of all that they've been walking through, and um, I love that about this place. And even on our staff, we felt this. I know you felt it just this week. We, we've got a, one of our ladies on staff here, Cassie. Uh, she leads our ministry to those with special needs and does an incredible job out there. And 30 days ago today, uh, she suddenly, unexpectedly lost her husband and uh, if you know Cassie, you maybe have been following her, following her on her blog, but she said this on her blog this week, and I think this is where many of us maybe are in different ways. Your situation's different, but she said this. She said, today has sucked. I have nothing good to say about the day. I have slept a lot, refused to get out of my chair, hardly spoken, but not cried. Today I woke up just feeling so heavy. It was like swimming in cement. I have no other way to describe it. The smallest of things are the hardest. I've put on a brave face for the most part this past week, and I've had to say more times than I wish to count that my husband is dead, or no, I'm sorry, you may not speak to him about a personal business matter because he is gone. Today has sucked. I'm swimming in cement. I pray tomorrow is better. And I think some of us feel that in a little bit different way. And Mark, Laura, I know that over the last several months, you've walked through some difficult things. You've walked through significant loss and limp. just limps through some things. We, I like. I thought about sitting up here and just just to make us feel more comfortable. Um, we're in it together. You move your foot like me. I, yeah, yeah. Um, but kind of thinking back to that, reflecting on that, what, are, what have you experienced? Uh, what have you observed even for yourself and even maybe those around you over the last several months? I think... Uh... Obviously, we haven't experienced what Cassie has, but as well as all of the rest of you, I think over the last 18 months, we've all experienced um, a lot of grief and a lot of loss and a lot of uncertainty and, and fear and anxiety and all the things that are part of the human condition. And I know for Mark and I, you know, I guess a little bit before the whole pandemic started, Mark's dad his health began to decline and we had him in and out of the hospital and, and dealing with that. And then March of last year, he passed away. And um, so we were dealing with that grief and everything with the pandemic and the church shutting down and just a lot of uncertainty. And into that, a couple months later, Mark fell back in September and it ruptured his patellar tendon. And um, at the time we thought, well, this is, you know, we'll get surgery, do therapy, everything's going to be great. And it hadn't gone that smoothly. It's been a, 
month, 10 months now. Um, he's had three surgeries, another one we know coming up in August, and um, just a lot of anxiety and fear even, you know, what does the future hold? What does that mean for us? At the same time, you're processing all this grief. And then in May, we lost his mother as well. And so it's been a, a hard time, um, not uncommon. I know one of the things that God has brought home to me again through all of this, and especially with our staff and some of the things that our staff have dealt with as well, is that these struggles are all common. They're common to all of us, and it's not unusual that we should face them and feel them and deal with them, but that doesn't make it any easier at the same time. Um, it's painful, and it's hard. Uh, one of the things I know that God that has, God has used to help me, and a number of years ago when our kids were in college, they were at the University of Oklahoma, um, and uh, I would love to go up and see them, but I... Uh, it's not a real far drive, but I just didn't like to make the drive. So I would always come to Mark, like, can I just use some miles and fly up to Oklahoma City? You know, it's a lot faster, quicker. I'll have more time while I'm there with the kids, you know, whatever excuse I could come up with. Um, and so I did, I would fly. But the thing about those flights to Oklahoma City from Houston is it's a small plane. And I really don't like small planes. And every time I got on, it would seem like, you know, I don't know what was up with the weather or whatever, but we would just bounce the whole way to Oklahoma, like turbulence the whole way. The flight is going, the, you know, the wings are tipping and you're like, this is the end of my life. I don't know if I'll see my children or I'll ever see Mark again. Um, and it was like that every time I flew up there. And one flight I was on, I remember this man sitting beside me and, you know, I'm sure I'm totally tense grabbing onto the handles of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Big planes don't bother me, but the small ones. Um, anyway, he looked at me and he said, you know what? It's going to be okay because this is normal. On this flight, on this route, at this altitude, with this type of plane, the bumping and turbulence that you feel is normal. There's nothing wrong. You're going to be fine, and we'll make it to the ground. And it was such a revelation to me that every other flight up there, I was like, it's all right. This is normal. This is how it is. This is how it's supposed to be. And I remember reading um, Scott Peck, his book years ago. He says, life is difficult. And if you understand that it's difficult, then somehow it doesn't feel quite as difficult anymore. And I think that's what that whole airline thing for me was. Like, life is turbulent. There's going to be bumps and hard things along the way. But when you know that that's normal, that somehow it feels a little bit easier to walk through it. No, that's good. I think there's settling when you, when we can kind of get a clear picture of what the expectation is. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you said. And I think even for today, like, that's what we want to process is, so what do we do okay, this is, this is life, and this is real. This is the expectation of life, and um, so how do, we, how do we pray into that? Um, we wanna look at the psalm, because psalm, psalms is actually, a third of the psalms is laments. This word lament is maybe a word you're, you've heard, but maybe you're not super familiar with. A lament is really what Cassie wrote. That's a lament. It's an expression of sorrow or grief or loss, and you see this throughout the psalms. You see the, the authors in the psalms writing these laments when they're struggling. And I think the important thing I think we need to realize, and then we're gonna read this and unpack it, but is that uh, a lament is not an opportunity, a prayer when you're struggling is not an opportunity to try to get it right. But a prayer is, or to lament, is a time to just be real. 
And so I think there's something important in that because I think we struggle. Think about it this way, that to kind of illustrate it. Uh, a lot of us have filled out a job questionnaire. We've created resumes. And even on those resumes, you, you put things on there that you hope to impress people with. You want someone to accept you for who you are and what you bring to the table to do a job. And uh, so we put specific things on there. We want to make sure that it's just right. Contrast that with an exit interview. I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you've ever done an exit interview, uh, but there's something that's liberating about an exit interview because that's your opportunity, right? To throw some darts that maybe you've been wanting to throw for a long time at your boss or at the organization, but it's an opportunity to be real and candid. And so to understand that, let me read this passage and then we're just gonna spend some more time talking through this. But this is Psalm 42. And this is coming from an author who's in a time of grief and struggle and uh, just kind of puts it out there. It's an opportunity to be real. So maybe for you, you just need to sit and listen uh, process this, maybe even close your eyes and just let these words kind of be read over you, and then uh, we'll unpack it together. It says this, Psalm 42, verse one. It says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. I don't know, maybe that's where you are. Your tears seem to be the only thing that you recognize right now, day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember and I pour out with my soul, pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. He's literally, he's speaking about the literal presence of God here. He remembers it, he had experienced it. He knew who God was. Verse five says, why are you in despair, O oh my soul? He's having this conversation with himself. And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. You notice he's, He's calling out God's goodness. He's, he's remembering God's goodness, some of what he's experienced in the past, and he's giving some confidence, even in a sorrow. And then verse nine, he says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So prayer is an opportunity not to be right, but to be real. And I wonder what it would look like for us to be real, to remember some of God's goodness, to remember his real power, and then begin to speak into our situation. I think that's where we've talked even a lot, just as we've walked alongside some people dealing with some of our own grief. This creates some tension though. And so I wanna just talk about that for a minute. Uh, why do you think we struggle with really speaking candidly to this big God that we know is real and we think that his power is so grand, but I think there's something, there's this tension that I think it creates in yeah. us to speak to him that way. I think it's hard for most of us to speak candidly to anybody. I think we kind of have this uh, thing that we wanna show. You know, I remember when my dad was dying the day before he died, uh, you know, and a lot of you, you, you just can't help yourself. You always want to put like whoever's up here speaking kind of on a pedestal, like, you know, 
oh, they're up here and I'm here. And we're all in this thing together. And I remember that it was like the day before he passed away and he was still, you know, with me talking and stuff. Um, and I just said, it's just gotta feel so surreal, dad, to be where you are right now. I said, because I've literally walked with hundreds and hundreds of people and I've been there at the moment that they died. And some people die well, some people don't die as well. But we go through that. And the thing is, you have to do it alone, you know? But I said, it just feels surreal for me right now because it's you. And he said, yeah, it's totally surreal. And he said, I'm really nervous right now. He said, I know where I'm going, but I never did this journey before, you know? <laughs> and which is absolutely true. But I told him, I said, oh, I'm gonna be here with you all night long. I started singing over him. And, um, you know, then I kind of ran out of songs and I said, um, is there anything else that you would like me to sing? And he said, please don't. <laughs> I think I might have. So you're gonna sing for us today instead, right? Yeah, so I'm gonna sing now. So I might have heard him along his way, but um, <laughs> he's going like, Jesus, come get me quick. <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing is, all of us, we all are in the same boat and we have to make a decision. I, I really, I realized this past week, actually, I only have two default modes. I, I, I live in one of two modes and one of them is that I am in chaos, I'm trying to control everything. I'm trying to manipulate everything. I'm trying to fix everything. I'm trying to, you know, and especially Laura, you know, especially uh, <laughs> trying to trying to put it, just make everything work. And or I truly believe with all that I am in the goodness and the sovereignty and the heart of God for me and that he is truly good and that he truly loves me. And, and I tell you, I mean, there's the only way, that's the only way, I mean, I'm gonna be in one of those. So if you see me running around like a crazy man, just say, you're in the wrong mode, pastor, you know? Uh, please, you know, grab me at H-E-B. That's the other thing about this thing on my leg. You just walk around H-E-B and people you don't know just go, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's weird, but it's kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think that we've got to decide and you've got to make that choice, you know, it, and, and it's so important. I, I think that's, it's, it's what counts. I think for me, oftentimes in difficult situations and circumstances like that, it becomes hard to pray because either I feel like I'm doubting and maybe I shouldn't you know, voice that to God or, or I'm complaining, you know, and I don't want to be that way. But the truth is, I mean, God can take all of that. He wants me to bring it to him. He, he's big enough and strong enough to hold whatever questions or doubts I might have or even if I am complaining. But I feel like when we look like at those verses, at the, that prayer of that chapter is like a lament. It's not really complaining. Yes, you're voicing these hard things are happening to me and I don't understand why and I don't know where you are and I don't know if you see me or if you still care. I remember even in the course of these months saying, God, do you still like me? Because <laughs> all this stuff is happening. Um, but he wants us to bring it to him. And if you think of it, I mean, that's what an intimate relationship is when you're struggling and when you're hurting and doubting or whatever it is, you go to that closest friend and you share those things with them. And God says, I want to be that. 
you can bring that to me. Whatever it is you feel, even if you're questioning if I'm even real, like, bring it to me because I love you and I want you to know me. I was reading in one of the uh, devotionals that I used this week, and, and it was talking about, do you trust God's power? And I was like, you know, yes, I am all on board with this. I believe in God's power and he can do anything. And, and, and then it went on to say, and do you trust God's wisdom? And I went, oh, <laughs> because trusting his wisdom means that I'm trusting his timing and I'm trusting his method and I'm trusting the people that he uses and I'm trusting everything else about it. I mean, it's one thing for me to trust, yes, God is powerful and he can do it and he can see me through whatever this is that's going on, but am I gonna trust his way of doing it? Am I gonna trust his timing to make it happen? That's a whole other thing. And I think when we come to him in prayer, we have to, like Mark said, make those choices. Do I trust his wisdom? Do I trust his power? And am I gonna live in his peace or am I gonna live in that chaos that surrounds me? No, that's good. You know, even listening to you say that, thinking about in verse nine, it's interesting. And I, I wanna, both of you speak into this because even as we've kind of talked about today, you've, you've made some really strong um, connections to this verse. But it's interesting in this, this one verse, in verse nine that we just read a minute ago, the author says, I will say to God, my rock. So you get this sense of confidence. God, this is who you are. I, I've heard you're good. I know you're good. I remember some of your goodness. So there's this confidence. And then immediately there's a comma between that and him saying, why have you forgotten me? So there's this chasm between there of God, you're my rock, but I feel like you forgot who I am. And I would assume even walking through the cancer journey over the years, just processing through that, how did you navigate that tension of God, you're my rock, and God, did you forget about me? Yeah, I know, like you said, um, I was diagnosed with cancer back in 2009, and stage three, it had already progressed to my lymph nodes, and um, the doctor said, you know, it's 50-50, we'll treat you, and we'll see what happens, but those are the odds that you're facing, and, um, you know, there's the whole gamut of emotions, as any of you know, if you've experienced that or any other serious um, diagnosis or issue in your life, but you, you go through it all, like, God, do you see me? Are you here? Can you hear me? Do you care? Um, and I think the thing that I discovered most through that was all the things that I thought I believed, all the things that I even taught about here at Community of Faith, all the things that I said and professed, through this experience, it, it became so much more real. Like, now I know it's true. And there's nothing that anybody could do to take that away from me. And it was this intimacy that God created. You know, he doesn't cause these hard things in our life, whatever they are, but he certainly takes them and uses them for his purposes. And I found through that cancer journey and through every other hard time in my life that the thing he's wanting to do is to draw me deeper and closer to him into a more intimate relationship with him that I know him better and I understand better how he loves me and I have a deeper um, just connection with him. And I think in the course of all of these 18 months, you know, whatever you've experienced, maybe it's just been COVID or the loss of a job or the loss of a family member. I don't know. I know we've all 
experienced these things in these months, but God is saying, look for me because I'm trying to draw you deeper and closer to me. Quit looking at everything else all around you, but my purpose is intimacy with you. And I really believe that that's our greatest, I'll call it weapon in life, but your greatest tool to have a successful life, your greatest tool to have a productive life, to have an impact on your family, on your friends, on the world around you, is your intimacy with God. And that's why it's so important to him. That's why he's trying to do that. And he uses all these things for that purpose. You know, at the, at the Bible says in several places, Jesus said it too, um, <clears throat> in the gospels, he said, at the end of time, as it's all starting to wrap up, it's gonna get more and more and more difficult. And there's gonna be wars and rumors of wars. There's gonna be pandemics. There's gonna be, um, you know, famines. And there's gonna be all of these things that are happening. And many who profess to be Christians are going to fall away. And you look at why did they fall away? Because it got really hard. And when it gets really hard, it makes you go, God, what's the deal, right? And what I've realized about trials, trials can't destroy your faith, they can't. Trials only test your faith. Are you loving God for himself or are you loving him for his blessings or the things that he's doing or he's keeping you safe? You know, that's kind of the American religion. I think a lot of Americans are gonna fall away because we have this religion that like, God, if I'm gonna do this for you. I'm gonna do these things. I'm gonna take care of this. And you're gonna take care of me, right? You're gonna take care of me, right? You're gonna take care of me, right? And when something comes up and it doesn't look like that, you have a, a decision to make. And God said, it's not gonna look like that all the time. I preached a sermon a few weeks ago in, the, in this series and that really changed my life. It's good when you preach a sermon that changes your own life, right? Um, I always pray for God to use my words to, to make an impact, but he just, he just spoke it to me. And I saw in that last, second to last chapter of the whole Bible in Revelation 21, John is there and he's been caught up and he sees this vision or maybe he's actually pulled there in time to the very end and it's Jesus is on the throne talking. And first John says, everything's new. I'm stunned. Everything's new. And then Jesus on the throne says, I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. Behold, I make all things new. And for the first time it hit me like, Everything's gonna be new. You see, when Jesus started this thing, he said, I'm the first letter in the alphabet, the alpha. I'm the one that started the story. And it's my story. And I created you, human beings. But then I said, here is your planet. Have dominion over it. Be fruitful and multiply. This is your planet. You rule over it. And when God says something, he doesn't take it back. Well, look what we've done, you know? And this is where it hit me because there's so many things that go wrong and so many evil things that happen. And how can you say to a, an eight-year-old that's abused, you know, well, God is good. What? I mean, how, every agnostic I've ever met was mad at God about something. 
or, or maybe they're real sensitive and they saw the, the injustices and it's like, but God said, here, human beings, here's your planet, it's yours. I'm not gonna step over you, have dominion over it, rule and reign here. And he let us do it. But he also said in there, I'm the last letter. I'm gonna have the last word. And what's he gonna do? He's gonna make everything new. He's gonna make it new. I was uh, in the Lord of the Rings, Sam Ganji, who was Sam and Frodo have the little adventure, know the hobbits. And he is knocked unconscious and he, he comes to and he thought the whole war was lost. And he sees the great wizard Gandalf and he said, Gandalf, you're alive, I'm alive. Is everything sad going to become untrue? And Jesus stands on the throne at the end of time and says, yes. He rewrites all the stories. He's going to take it back. Everything, all things new. Apply that to your situation. And remember, I, I took you back through that little old lady that was dying and her last gasp and she'd been through several husbands and she loved the Lord with all her heart, but had struggled since that early childhood trauma. And then she dies, she thinks she's gonna wake up in heaven, but all of a sudden she finds herself in her little bed at seven. And then her older stepbrother walks into the room. It's starting all over again, what's happening? But suddenly Jesus is there. And Jesus takes that little boy by the shoulders and pulls him up close and he begins to whisper in his ear. This is her stepbrother who killed himself when he was 30. And then the little boy begins to cry. He begins to cry and she'd never seen him cry. And, and, and then Jesus hugs him up tight and close and then ushers him out of the room and then he come and, comes and sits by her bed and said, I'm here. This is a new story. I'm gonna take the old story and I'm gonna make it a new story. I don't, I don't, that changed me in that moment because I thought even if I don't understand, he's gonna make it right. He's gonna do something. He's gonna do whatever it took to make it right. He makes everything new. Do you trust that? I think that's the thing. You know, you talked about Joshua last week, and it's also one of my favorite characters in Scripture, but one of my favorite lines through the whole book of Joshua, he says, God, we don't know what to do, so we stand here before you. And I feel like sometimes in these difficult times of life, like the things Mark's talking about, the things Cassie's experiencing, and, and many of you as well, you come to that place where you just say, God, I don't, I got nothing. I don't know what to do. And I'm just gonna stand here before you. And I feel like that's where he wants us to be, in that quiet spot of just surrender. I, there's nothing I can do. I can't fix this. I can't change it. I can't do anything. I'm just gonna stand here before you. And as we do that and we rest in that spot, he meets us there and he does come and he makes things new and he changes things. And that's the, sometimes the only prayer you can pray in those moments, I'm just gonna stand here before you. Mark Buchanan, a pastor and author, he says this, faith is finally this, resting so utterly in the character of God, in the ultimate goodness of God, that you trust him, even when he seems untrustworthy. And I think that's what we've seen over the course of these 18 months, that just making that choice to stand in front of him and trust him. That's so good. I, I think, um, you know, we could sit here probably for hours and talk about this. And uh, 
You guys are good with that, right? No, you're hungry? Um, but I think even thinking through that, you went through a crazy journey with cancer. And I think sometimes we get through maybe a really significant struggle and we think to ourselves, well, I won't have to do that again. I made it, I made it through. God God's did what he wanted to do, but it's always continuing in us as we continue to walk through life, when it, the ups and downs. But I think it's important for us to know, like when we are praying or we're lamenting and expressing our sorrow and our grief to, to God, we're not doing it so that he just takes it off of us. And I, that's what I hear you saying. He's not just taking it away, but he's transforming us in, in that. And because he wants us to be someone different, somewhere different, he's not trying to take us back to where we were um, because he's got something better. It's, it's the way that we trust him. And that's why we lament. That's why we pray real prayers when we're struggling. And so uh, for this week, this is, this is kind of the, the application for you, no matter where you are, um, and, and I would even say, if, if you're not really struggling with something significant right now, that's okay. But I think this is still a practical uh, series of steps you can take. The first step that you can simply do is just get real with God this week. What would it look like for you to carve out some time this week to get real with God and pray maybe just one honest prayer? Don't worry about using fancy religious words. Don't worry about trying to impress anybody. This is an exit interview type of prayer, type of moment. Just say, God, this is what I am feeling. This is what I and thinking, this is what is going on. Let, let him know, he's okay with that. I, I think back, and we talked about this on this week, several years ago, um, it's actually decades ago now because we're all getting older, right? Um, I walked through a difficult time in my family. My parents divorced and I'll never forget in those weeks following, I had an understanding of, of God and some of his goodness and his realness in my life, but man, in those moments, and I, I would write it down, so I would encourage you, write these things down, write down these prayers every day this week. But I wrote down prayers and I said, God, I, I, I know that you're good. I know that you love me, but right now I don't feel it. Right now I don't understand it. I'm confused. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And I remember very clearly, and I have this prayer written down. I said to God, I said, God, I need you to show me that you're good again. I need you to reveal to me that your, your powers work. Do something in this. And I didn't even really know what I was asking for. But I would say, take that step this week. Um, get real with God, take that minute to get real with God. And then after we get real with God, I think we can continue not just to set aside that time, but intentionally take another second step um, that you talked about earlier. Yeah, I think you have to pick the mode that you're gonna live in. Because I think probably that's true for all of us. It's either we're gonna be God and try to control everything, or we're gonna believe that God is good and he loves us and step into that, lean into that and let him begin to move and do what he wants to do. There's just not much really in between that. I think the third thing that I would encourage everybody to do this week is just to get connected with God's people. I think it's so easy when you're struggling or when you're hurting to kind of remove yourself and pull back, almost like, you know, a wounded animal and you go lick your wounds. And, and that seems like that should be the thing to do, but God didn't create us as human beings to be that way. He created us to be in relationship with one another, and, and that's where we find healing. That's where we find hope, and that's where we find life. And, you know, even from the very beginning when he created Adam, he said it's not good for you to be alone, and so he created another person to live life with him, and, and that's what he wants for us. I read recently a doctor, I think it's a Dr. Perry, a psychiatrist. He's here in Houston, actually works among um, traumatized children and, and studying kind of that field. But um, he said, everything we do is in relationship with other people and you've been hurt in relationship with other people, but you'll also find healing in relationship with other people. And the only 
the biggest predictor of your emotional health and physical health even and mental health and spiritual health is the level of your social connectedness with other people. And so it's extremely important that we intentionally choose to connect with God's people. And so if you're out there and, you know, maybe you thought, I don't really want to get up and go to Community of Faith today. I mean, that's exactly when you need to be here. Those moments that you think, I just... I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I can't handle this right now. Like, get here. Because that's when you need to connect with other people. And not that you have to pour everything out to everybody you see, but you just need to have people around you. People that are going to come and say, you got this and we'll encourage you and, and you'll encourage us. I mean, that's how God designed it to be. You know, I think I would just kind of bring it to an end by saying, what if this very thing that you think is the worst thing that could ever have happened is the very thing that God's going to use to bring you into the deepest relationship with him that you've ever known? You see, God loves you. He doesn't need you to work for him. He doesn't need you to serve him. He doesn't need anything from you. He created you so that you could have relationship with him. That's what he wants. My little son, David, when he was just three or four, he would draw pictures of me. I would be up preaching and he would draw me with like one hair, a giant head, arms sticking out where the head, where the ears are supposed to go. You know that stage where it's a head and it's ears, you know, the arms are where the ears are with like, you know, three little fingers and, you know, little chicken feet. And he would bring it up to me so proud. And what did I say to him? I didn't go, that's, that doesn't look like me, you know, because it kind of did look like me. But I would say, son, that's amazing. I love that you did that. And he would just beam and he would want to just grab my hand while I'm sitting there talking to people. It was relationship. See, if God wanted you, someone to do something for him, he can just snap his fingers and messengers of fire that move at the speed of light come and bow before him. If he wanted someone to sing for him, he's created angels. Their whole being is made of light and music and it's like we've never heard when we get to heaven to hear that we won't even know what that means he doesn't need us to sing you know sometimes I think he might be like my dad you want me to sing some more God please don't you know but he just loves me he loves me and he loves you do you really believe that I was talking to a young lady this week and she'd been deeply traumatized and deeply depressed and she felt suicidal. And I told her, I said, one thing that I've discovered, an old man told me this a long, long time ago, really amazing believer. But he said, what happens in life is you go through these things and they happen and it's difficult and it's hard and you have to choose if you believe. God didn't cause them because man is in charge of this planet but they still had to come through his fingers of love to get to you because he's holding you in his hands. And so you have to decide if you're gonna believe that, but here's what God's trying to do. He's trying to bring you to the end of yourself. And so I told this young lady, I said, you're actually in an amazing place right now. You're in a place for a miracle, but you have a choice to make. Yes, you can choose suicide, but that's what the devil's trying to do. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Or 
You can look up the only way you can look and you can say, Jesus, right now, I want you to be everything to me. I receive you. I, I want you to give life to me. I can't do this. I can't even take another step out of this office. I can't do this anymore. I've come to the end of my resources. Holy Spirit, come live in me and give me life. Give life to my mortal body. That's what it means to be a believer. It doesn't mean that you try to let your good outweigh your bad. It's relationship. And you know what? The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into you to empower you. And you take that next nudge. I told her she did that. And I was so excited. And I said, now when you feel like I'm gonna, I, I wanna try to walk, you won't be able to do it, but you can lean and the Holy Spirit will walk. You'll have a new power and you'll see it begin to happen. So I think we have those, those choices. And what we've come to in these last you know, year, year and a half is that moment for all of us, really. What are we gonna choose? I mean, do you really believe God is good? Do you really believe he loves you? Maybe you just need to take my word for it because I can tell you it's true. You'll find it to be true. Step into that journey and watch what he does. And some of you are real mad at him right now. Guess what? Wes just told you, he gave you permission. You can go, God, I'm real mad at you right now. You think God's gonna strike you dead? No, he's gonna go, oh, that's all right, little girl. I could see why you would be. I love you, but don't forget, I'm gonna make it all come untrue. I've got a new story. I have the last word. That's what it's all about. And that's what we wanna walk with you in that. So let us be a part of this journey, all of us together doing this, knowing that we're all on the same level and it's about him. It all goes back to him, right? Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Let's pray, pray into this. Let's pray just an honest prayer. So I'm just asking you to close your eyes. I just wanna create just a moment, just a brief moment, and just maybe wherever you are, just tell God what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Let him know the things that you think are true about him. His goodness, his love. Maybe even some of that you're confused about. Just tell him that and then just tell him what you're struggling with and how you're feeling, even if it's towards him. Be honest, be real, be vulnerable. Your real, honest prayer this morning is a step that God wants you to take so that he can begin to transform that pain that you're walking through. He's there, he understands it. But he does have something better for you on the other side of that. And we're gonna trust him together for that. That's how we stay connected with each other. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in a place like this, to gather online and, and just have conversation, to talk about things that are a mess. And even as we think about things that are messy and uh, dysfunctional, we're confident that you are going to do miracles in that and that you're going to walk us out the other side 
renewed and transformed, better versions of ourselves, not because we've fixed ourselves up, but because you've worked in us and your spirit is working in us. And we're thankful for that. So give us the courage to do what you've called us to do today, to just be real with you, to pray, to stay connected to each other, to consciously choose you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.